Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 2, Definitions. Self-confidence. It's a simple enough concept, but so elusive for so many of us in the real world. Why is that? I touched a little bit in the last episode about my own struggle with self-confidence, but these last two weeks have made me examine it in quite a bit more detail. Last week, I attended a publishing options workshop with the Capital Region Library's writer-in-residence, Natasha Dean. The publishing information was interesting, but what stuck with me more was what she said about writing. She said that writers as a group are incredibly hard on themselves and their peers. If you struck up a conversation with the person jogging down the street, and if they said they were a runner, would you then say to them, upon finding out that they only train three times a week or only do the local half marathon, well, if you aren't going to the Olympics, I guess you aren't really a runner. But writers do that all the time. Where have you been published? Oh, you're self-published? Well, I guess you're not really a writer then. She called this bogus. Do you write? Then you're a writer. I struggled with this a little bit. I mean, I have a blog, but it's new. And I certainly don't have a book or anything like that. So I don't really feel I have permission yet to call myself a writer. Although, I do write for work, and there's that big box of scribblings in the basement, and all the word files on the computer. January has also been the month where I've alternately been called an accomplished knitter and a member of the knitting police, both of which I immediately denied. I would never tell someone that they are knitting wrong, but if I see that they're struggling... I might ask if they would like to see a different technique to accomplish the same thing, or help them look it up on the internet to see if we can both learn something new. As for accomplished, my automatic reaction is to scoff. I mean, I've never knit an article of clothing. Well, except for a baby surprise jacket, and a greyhound sweater, but shawls don't count, and neither do mittens or socks. We taught a beginner knitting class to 29 people at the library this week. Always in a beginner class, I tell them that they must have patience with themselves. Knitting isn't hard, but it is a new skill, and picking up new skills takes time and practice. I tell them that they must have confidence that they will get this, but they must also have the understanding that it might take a while, and that every one of us there helping them today was learning to knit once. And all things are possible with a combination of just two stitches, knit and purl. Every time we teach a class, I worry that I'm not communicating clearly, or that we haven't done a good job giving each student the individual attention they need. Yet every time, the written comment cards bear out that we've done well. I extol and encourage self-confidence in others, yet cannot seem to accomplish it for myself. In some ways, that's not surprising. Self-confidence seems to be more the exception than the rule in Western society. 
the constant strive to, to be better, to make more money, or to become a better person has the flip side of not being good enough at this moment in time. When I got my Master Spinner Level 1 workbook back in April, I was thrilled when I saw how well I'd done. But when I delved further, that pleasure quickly turned to the almost uncontrollable urge to rip the workbook apart and fix the things I'd done wrong. It was a ridiculous compulsion. Fixing those things and resubmitting the workbook would have gotten me a maximum of five more marks. Five out of a possible 479. 0.1%. But it still took me two hours to squash the urge. And even then, my pleasure at doing so well was tainted. It was, and still is, completely and utterly ridiculous. So what am I then, at this moment in time? I am a podcaster with two on-time episodes under my belt. I am a writer who has been posting two to three times a week on her blog for four weeks. And I'm a knitter who has accomplished some amazing things over the last nine years, from complicated lace to thrummed mittens to even slogging through things like the interminable mittens and the never-ending Afghan of doom. And I'm a spinner who did very well on her level one homework and is looking forward to learning even more. Am I happy with that at this moment in time? Yes. Do I have goals for the next week or month or year? Of course. But striving to be better does not diminish the accomplishments of this moment. And to celebrate this moment is to take the first step towards self-confidence. How about you? Who are you in this moment? What are your accomplishments, the things you're most proud of? Are you a knitter? A spinner? A writer? Mom? Dad? Artist? Runner? Or the most important person in the world to your dog? Whatever you are, celebrate it. Define yourself for just a moment by it. Revel in the power of the words, I am. I know I will be, even for just a minute every day. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. So this is the Fiber Week segment, and last time I... I hoped I would be further along in module uh, C1 for level 2, which is the spinning of uh, wool, llama, alpaca, mohair, silk, and blends. And the truth is I'm really not. Um, It's been a busy couple of weekends, and I did manage, however, to finish uh, the alpaca, 100% alpaca skein that I did have on the wheel. But it's pretty twisty, uh, so I need to throw that in water and see if it's balanced once it comes out. Um, but I did sit down and take a look at at the rest of them, because the rest of them are carded or combed. And 
as a result of sitting down and looking at that, I actually decided to finish off module E1, which is the sweater calculation. For the sweater calculation, we started that uh, in olds in class. And um, basically, the, the whole idea of the sweater calculation is how much raw fleece are you going to need to knit a sweater? So you start with a raw fleece, and then you wash it, and you see how much weight you lose in the washing. And then you prepare it, and you see how much more weight you lose in the prep. And then you 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 spin some time how long it takes you to spin, however much it is, knit a swatch for your sweater, uh, figure out exactly how much yarn you need for your sweater, and so on and so forth. So it's quite a bit of math. Um, but the reason I started looking at this is because um, I, I had my skein spun. And I still had some, uh, I, I chose Merino, which is the fine fleece. And for module C1, we are to spin from raw fleece uh, a fine grade wool like Merino spun as true worsted, which is what I chose to do for my sweater. So I still have a whole bunch of uh, comb top left. So I wanted to finish off uh, the sweater calculations because then I could just use the comb top that I have left for module C1. So, But I need to make sure that I'm okay on module E1 before I do that. So I'm in the middle of knitting my swatch. Um, I've, I've pulled out uh, about 11 yards uh, for the sample skein and yeah, hopefully that'll be done definitely by the end of this weekend. Module E1 will be done and then we'll see where I'm at with uh, with module C1. I'm still focusing on C1 right now. Uh, I may start to do a little bit of the writing on the days where I, I just don't have time to sit down and spin at the wheel, but I have some time to you know do do a little bit of homework. Uh, for the level one, though. Um, the recap on the level one, I wanted to talk about module B2, which is spinning wheels. And there's two parts to what you have to do for that particular module. Uh, you have to talk about uh, your ergonomics for spinning, which is the part I really want to talk about, and of course the care and feeding of your wheel, um, or basically how to maintain your wheel. Um, and both of these are extremely important. If you don't, uh, a spinning wheel is a machine. If you don't maintain your spinning wheel, um, it's it's going to start breaking down, and that's part of the reason why when I got uh, when I purchased the old Ashford traditional, I took the whole thing apart just to make sure that I could clean everything. I refinished it, put it back together, and that's also why I now have to run it back in. Um, it had been sitting for for probably about a decade before I purchased it, so. You know, all the bobbins, they're, you know, they're the old Ashford bobbins, so they're all wood on the inside. Well, well, the wood has, has absorbed all that oil, and now it's not, it's not seasoned anymore. So I have to re-season the wheel, although I am considering purchasing a new flyer so that I can use uh, the jumbo bobbins on it, but that'll be down the road. For now, I'll just, you know, re-season the bobbins, and then I have two wheels that I can work with. Um, but like I said before, the part I really want to talk about is the ergonomics uh, part of Module B2. And that's because it's a real kind of, I hesitate to say passion, but I'm a 
because I have chronic pain, I'm a real firm believer in making sure that your body is in the right position so that you can continue to do what it is you love to do. So if you're not in pain right now, that's fantastic. You want, you still want to look at these ergonomics because if you're in an improper position, you're going to put strain on your body. You are going to eventually get pain and you won't be able to do what you love to do anymore. When in, in December, we had a spinning party uh, here in St. Albert and we were talking about this a little bit. Um, the host had purchased um, an adjustable stool from Ikea uh, that went, you know, the, the height went up and down quite a bit. And I got to thinking about that might be a good idea. So I, I checked um, Ikea, but they didn't have the stool anymore. Um, so I was keeping an eye on Kijiji and I managed to find one for $5, which is Kijiji's awesome because you can get deals like that. Um, it's a little older, it's a little creaky, but, uh, but it works out okay. So I tried that out last weekend as to how it would feel to spin on that. I adjusted the height and, and used it with both the Joy, which is a double treadle wheel, and the Traditional, which is a single treadle wheel. And yeah, I can keep my back really straight, which is, which is really good. I'm six foot one. I have a 37 inch inseam which means uh, chairs need to go up a little higher for me than an average, uh, a person of average height. So being able to take the stool up a little higher was great. However, I can't say that I recommend the stool thing for a double treadle wheel, simply because when you're using a double treadle wheel, you're not supporting your weight on your feet at all. Both feet are on on the treadles. And I found it was really difficult for me to, to keep my back straight, to keep proper posture because I, you know, you're automatically leaning back when your feet are off, off the floor. But for the traditional with the single treadle, it was great. Um, you know, your right foot's on the treadle, your left foot is bracing yourself on the floor and you're, you're right on your sit bones. Everything is perfectly aligned and and that worked out really well. Uh, the only thing for me is I needed to go buy a cushion <laughs> because after about uh, half an hour sitting on my sit bones, things started to go a little numb. Um, but that's minor. So for module B two with the ergonomics, take get someone start you know sit at your spinning wheel and take a picture of yourself, and then take a look at at your ergonomics. Is your upper leg, you know, parallel to the floor? Um, What about your back? Are you sitting up straight? Your head position, your arm position, it's all very important. When I'm sitting at my spinning wheel, I can't reach the orifice uh, unless I lean forward. And uh, my hands are, on my joy, certainly a good six inches above the orifice as well in terms of, you know, vertically. I can still spin just fine. And it's a lot better for me ergonomically to do that. So if you're in level one, take take some time. Don't don't just skim over these two bits, the ergonomics and the, the maintenance of your wheel. They're both very important uh, for you, um, as you as you get further into spinning. 
um, as you want to spend more time at it because both of these things are very important for you to know. So that's the Fiber Week segment for this episode. Uh, if you're like me, you got the Fiber Week brochure in the mail this week and, uh, and are contemplating what other courses you might be interested in taking. I've already booked my room, and I'm thinking about possibly taking a weekend course, but we're going to have to see about that one. In any case, I'm, I'm hoping to be in, in Olds uh, from Saturday to Friday uh, so I can take partake in all the fun evening things, which looks like there's going to be a few of this year. So um, next week, hopefully, hopefully, I'll be a little further along in C1. The sweater calculations should be done. And yes, we'll be having fun with blending at that point. Side notes. So this segment is called Side Notes, and uh, one thing I've noticed about most knitting and spinning podcasts is that the, the host will review things from time to time. So what I hope to do is every two episodes do a side notes section where I review a couple things. Well, one spinning and one knitting is what I'm going to aim for. So this time around, I'm going to review a spinning tool and a knitting book. So we'll start with a spinning tool. What this is, is the Precision Euler Pen from Lee Valley. Now, if you've never heard of Lee Valley, I'm very sorry to bring it to your attention because the place is evil. And what's especially evil is their Christmas gift catalogs. They have two, an early Christmas gift catalog and and their, their big one. So this past year, when the early Christmas gift catalog came, I looked through it, and just in the middle, sort of hidden away, was this um, Precision Euler pen. And I looked at that and thought that would be absolutely fantastic. So I put it on my Christmas list, and I did get it for Christmas. Uh, basically what this is, is a, it's a, it's a pen that you fill with oil, and you can dispense it one drop at a time. One of the things that uh, I have a an Ashford Joy, and one of the things that I've found with trying to oil it is that to get at the main axle is tricky with uh, with a regular bottle of oil because you take the cap off and then you have to sort of tip it over and and make sure that you know you've got it basically above the axle, and if you don't, it's going to drop down onto the floor, and it's all kinds of craziness. But with this precision oiler pen. Um, it doesn't dispense until you click the button. So I can I can get it in place, click the button to dispense a drop of oil, and and it's done. No mess. It's fantastic. Uh, same thing with uh, well, if you if you have left a bobbin on on a wheel for a while, and you just want to throw a drop of oil on there, you can precisely dispense it. You can you can get it in place, put that oil on there, and not have to worry about getting it anywhere near the stuff that's already on the bobbin, the the yarn. So it's fantastic. I really like it. The one small drawback is that I find I have to store it upright. If I store it laying down, because the the Ashford spinning wheel oil is a little thick, um, it sort of gathers on the side, and then I have to, you know, hold it upright and and wait for the oil to come down uh, 
to to be able to dispense it. So, I mean, it's a minor thing. Um, it's pretty easy to store it upright. And, uh, and yeah, it just, it's fantastic. Uh, so this retails uh, for $7.50 Canadian, which is a steal for something this useful. And it can be good for for you know anywhere you need to you know precisely place drops of oil in the on the website it shows uh, them you know putting a drop of oil on a, a model steam engine i'll put a link to the canadian page in the show notes if you're not in canada it's a simple matter of uh, clicking change uh, country slash language at the top of the page so the knitting book i want to review doesn't actually have any patterns in it I was uh, up in our library uh, looking for um, the yarn bombing book, which is apparently in, but not on the shelves. And I happened to see this one on the shelf, uh, just the side. The title said Sweater Quest. I'm like, Sweater Quest? That sounds interesting. So I took it out. The book is Sweater Quest, My Year of Knitting Dangerously by Adrian Martini. And it's it's basically a story. It's a chronicle of of the author's um, journey to knit uh, an Alice Starmore Fair Isle sweater in one year. And as she's chronicling this particular journey, she's she asks some very interesting questions and, and tells some very interesting stories. She, she explores some of the more existential questions of knitting, things like, is knitting art or craft? Uh, did the internet create the modern knitting community, or did the community appropriate the internet for its own evolution. What constitutes hard knitting, which, to be honest, I've struggled with myself. And uh, more specifically, can you knit an Alice Starmore sweater in different yarn and have it still be an Alice Starmore sweater? She also goes into the whole history around Alice Starmore and her sweaters and why it costs almost $200 now on eBay for one of her books. Not to mention the fact that uh, the yarns that she calls for are very hard to come by. Um, she also, when she's exploring some of these existential questions, she talks to some of the various knitting celebrities like Stephanie Pearl McPhee, Amy Singer, Kay Gardner, Anne Shea, and a whole bunch of others, and asks them, you know, what their take is on these questions. I really enjoyed this book. Um, this book distracted me for about a week from the interminable mittens. Uh, so the mittens took a little longer than they perhaps should have. But I really enjoyed reading it. Martini has a, a very dry sense of humor, and and every once in a while it would just come out. It would be a one-liner paragraph that would just make me crack up completely. The other thing I really liked was that even though I have absolutely no desire to knit an Alice Starmore sweater, I really identified with with her journey, you know, what she was doing. I've looked at some crazy lace and and thought about doing that. The whole idea of the Master Spinner program, I mean, it's six years of spinning. You know, it seems insurmountable sometimes, but, but you know, that's my Everest. That's my journey, you know. And, and for Martini, this sweater was the Everest. Probably not the only Everest ever, but... Uh, but the one for that particular year. And I won't spoil it for you by letting you know if she gets the sweater done or not. But in the end, it wasn't really about getting the sweater done. It was about 
what she learned along the way. And it was about the answers to those questions. We don't often think about knitting as philosophy. And this book, even though it is extremely humorous and and very inspiring, there is quite a bit of philosophy in this one. And, and it's nice to think about that from time to time. The book retails for $15 US or $19.99 Canadian. I'll put a link to uh, Amazon.com and Chapters.ca uh, in the show notes. So that's side notes for this week. In four weeks, I'll be back to review a couple of other things. Fiber Notes When I was talking to Mike about having to record the Fiber Notes segment for this episode, I was joking with him that I should just say it's more of the same but with socks. But when I looked back, I realized that I didn't work on Ethereal this last two weeks, and I didn't work on the sweater. So I guess it really isn't more of the same but with socks. I did finish the Interminable Mittens. I got them done last weekend, and they're... I got the my father's pair washed, took two days to dry, and I got them in the mail on Thursday. So that takes care of Christmas 2012. I'm very pleased about that. And so is everybody at my knitting groups because they got a little tired of me, you know, sighing dramatically and throwing the mittens down on the table when I got really tired working on them. So that was good. Um, but with freeing up the 2.5 millimeter DPNs, I remembered that I have a sock, that I needed uh, 2.5mm DPNs to figure out uh, something with. Uh, These socks are the Longitudinal Socks by Nicola Susan. It's from Knitty First Fall 2012. They're fun because it's knit from the side across with a big long Kitchener stitch on the other side instead of cuff down or toe up. So uh, it's done magic loop on a 2.5 millimeter needle for me and the needle I have is just just that little bit too short uh, once I got to the maximum number of stitches. So I pulled that out, grabbed the 2.5 millimeter DPNs and tried to figure out a way to put a little piece of it onto the DPNs in a way that wouldn't cause laddering or other craziness. And I couldn't get my head around it, so basically what I did is decided to just muddle through, squeeze the stitches onto the needle. So I've been working on that. Like I said, it's interesting construction. It's all it's all garter stitch. And what what happens when you put a project down and you don't make notes on where you left off is that when you start again, you kind of have no idea where you are. Uh, it seems that I had finished all the increases before I put it down but I didn't realize that, so I did another increase row. Which is okay, I mean, we'll we'll figure out and see if it affects the sizing at all. When I'm done this sock, I'm through the, the, the non-increase part, and I'm onto the decreases now. So I'm halfway through those, and then it's just a big long kitchener, and I will have a sock. I'm going to wash it and try it on before I do the second one, mostly because I'm not 100% convinced about the yarn. Um, It's Wisdom Yarns Poems Sock, and it's a singles yarn, which is a little odd. 
I'm not sure how it's going to hold up. And and it's a single, so 25% superwash and 20, or sorry, 75% superwash and 25% nylon. That's rough. Um, and I'm wondering if it'll soften when I wash it. So I'm going to finish the one sock, wash it, see how it feels. And, and if it's okay, then I'll knit the other sock because I'm short on socks right now. So that's been going pretty well. It's been my work knitting. Uh, the other thing that I was working on is the Wave Maiden One Skein Shawl, which is the project that I cast on after I finished my brother-in-law's pair of mittens. And this is a Christmas present uh, that I got. Well, quote-unquote Mike got it for me. I ordered it myself. The pattern is by Michelle Miller, and it's a kit available from Raven Twist Yarns. The yarn is uh, their tier base, and the colorway I got is Yarn Socks. So it's it's lovely. Like the, the pattern itself seems pretty simple. I have to get through chart B, so the body chart. And then it's a knit-on edge. So that's what I've been working on. Once the sock is done, I'm going to break out the uh, sweater again. Just because I'm so close. And I'd really like to finish it before it's too cold or too warm to wear it. On the wheel, I'm still working on the random, possibly merino green braid on the traditional. I'm almost done the first half. uh, So that'll be good. Get that off to the side and spin the second half. Season another bobbin. And then, of course, my homework. That's pretty much all that I've got on the spinning wheels right now. The one other thing I hope to be working on in the next couple of weeks is adding length to a sweater uh, that my aunt knit for my mother back in 1998. Uh, She gave this, my mom gave this to me over Christmas. Uh, The sleeves are just a touch too short, so she doesn't wear it all that much. And it's a it's a Norwegian colorwork sweater. So she wants me just to add a little bit of length to the sleeves, and I'm contemplating different ways of doing that. I got some yarn that'll hopefully be a close enough match yesterday, and and we'll figure things out. If anybody out there has ever added length uh, to a sleeve, uh, and these are knit from the cuff up, so I have to add it to the cuff. Let me know what you did and and what worked because I have a few ideas and I'm trying to figure out which one is going to work the best. So that's the fiber note segment for this episode. And hopefully in two weeks, I will have a few more finished objects and be working on a few of the other projects I have on the go. the wayside. Well, I guess it's time for the bi-weekly by the wayside update. Um, when I started looking at working on, on the tapestry again, I realized that this was going to take some strategy. It's simply, you know, too big and awkward to, to, you know, take anywhere. Um, it's not like a sock or a, a small spindle that you can just toss in your purse. There's the huge piece of linen, all the yarn, 
uh, our tapestry yarn, and uh, and of course the chart, which you need to refer to a lot. Uh, so I came up with a strategy, which seems to be working. Um, if I have some time between when I get home and when dinner's ready, uh, that's when I sit down and do it. I sit on the couch and, you know, cut off a length of yarn and work on it. So what I've been doing is is continuing to work on the gazebo on the side. And I've gotten a little further. In fact, I've gotten to the point where I'm starting to think about whether or not I'm going to do all the outlining on the whole piece first, or if I'm going to, you know, do the 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 bayou stitch, the the fill in, um, as I go. And and I'm of two minds about this. Um, on the one hand, you know, if I can just get all the outlining done, then the filling in shouldn't take too long. Um, on the other, I have a cross stitch piece uh, that's completely finished except for the back stitching. And uh, I really should have done that as I went. So I'm not quite at the point where I have to make a decision on that yet. Um, but I am thinking about it now. Anyway, I'll post a picture on the uh, on the podcast uh, post and also in the thread on the Ravelry group. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with, uh, with the way it's going. So hopefully in another couple of weeks, we'll be a little further along in the... Uh, in the gazebo and maybe I'll have made a decision as to whether or not I'll finish outlining or if I will do all the, uh, the bayou stitch on the gazebo as well. Thank you for joining me for episode two. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 3 on February 10th, 2013. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion in our group on Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in Loch Ness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.